1: in a very isolated area of Africa, performed surgery on a poor blind man. The surgery was successful, and his sight was restored. Several days after the operation, the man disappeared from the hospital. Everyone was concerned for his well-being. Then a few days later, the missionary opened his door, and there stood the man who had been operated on. The man was holding a rope, and on the other end of the rope were ten more blind people. Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians here is about a growing faith and an increasing love. And a growing faith and an increasing love in a person's life makes them anxious and excited to tell others, to point others to Christ and bring them to the Savior so that they who were spiritually blind might see too. The miracle of love that we have experienced in Christ saving us is to overflow to others who don't know Him and who need His salvation from sin. The Apostle Paul passionately prayed for a believer's spiritual growth so that as a result the church would increase in its faith, abound in Christ's love and show His love and care to others and be people who are a bright testimony for Christ in this world who live daily in light of his coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 read, "For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith." As we continue through our short series of how to pray under grace, we find in these verses about the need to pray for spiritual growth. Prayer is part of our spiritual growth and is something we need to pray about for ourselves and for others. As we are jumping in the middle of a context here, we find Paul thanking God for the blessing of of the Thessalonians and for their testimony. Their faith and their stand for Christ was taking place in the midst of persecution. And this brought joy and brought much encouragement to the Apostle for how they were standing true. And Paul was nearly speechless here as he thanked God for all the joy the Thessalonians gave him. Words failed to express adequately to God the thanks which filled the heart of Paul. And grace teaches us to do that. that Grace teaches us to be thankful for others. And grace teaches us that there is joy in seeing what God is doing in the lives of other people and to be thankful on behalf and for them. Paul says, night and day he prayed exceedingly for them. Now Paul had been blocked by Satan from coming to visit the Thessalonians. In chapter 2, verse 18, Paul speaks of when he would have come, Satan hindered him. But this could not and did not prevent him from praying for them constantly. Corey Ten Boom writes this about prayer. When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When a believer stops reading the Bible, the devil laughs. When they stop praying, the devil shouts for joy. But Paul did not stop praying. And he didn't just sit down once in a while and say, bless my friends back there in Thessalonica. He prayed night and day, fervently, all the time. Prayer under grace is a priority. We are to pray like this in light of Paul's example. Philippians 4.9 teaches us, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, that is Paul, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Exceedingly here has the idea of going above and beyond all normal measures with his prayer. Exceedingly is the same word translated exceeding abundantly in Ephesians 3.20 when Paul says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Paul continually and fervently prayed and he prayed specifically. He had two requests to see the Thessalonians again and to perfect that which was lacking in their faith. Paul asked God to make it possible for him to minister them face-to-face, personally. Paul wanted to get there and be there to help them spiritually and know what was going on firsthand in their life. And Paul knew that God is able and that God could clear the way, and he prayed that God would do it. Paul here prays boldly and specifically And as we pray under grace, we shouldn't be afraid to be bold and specific in our prayers. God doesn't want flowery, all fluff prayers. God wants us to honestly tell Him exactly what it is we'd like Him to do. And we see here also that we should be persistent with prayer, night and day, just like uh, Paul was here. Paul's second continual request was that in being able to see them and see that he might perfect that which was lacking in their faith. Paul wanted to see them, to see their spiritual condition and be used by God to help them to continue to grow spiritually. There was still work to be done with their faith. And that's the case with all of us. When it says to perfect that which is lacking in your faith, we all have things that need to be perfected and that which is lacking in our faith. The word perfect in the Greek means to fit together, to surgically set a broken bone or mend a torn fishing net. Paul was praying for the opportunity to fit their faith together, to make it complete. And you see here that Paul is concerned about their spiritual growth. We see by these verses that he's concerned that they continue to grow spiritually in three areas, faith, love, and hope the great trio of supreme virtues for the believer. In chapter 1, verse 3, as we looked at in our last episode, Paul wrote, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. In chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes of putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. In this letter, Paul focuses on this abiding trinity for the believer's life. You see Paul here praying for a perfecting faith in verse 10, an increasing love in verse 12, and a hope in verse 13, which drives believers to greater holiness. Continually and earnestly through prayer, Paul was handing this burden of his heart for these people into the hands of God. These are the three virtues in which Christ wants to see his church go and grow in today. First, Paul wanted them to have a perfecting or maturing, growing faith. Faith is about trusting the truth. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11:1 says, if we are going to trust the truth, we have to know the truth. Paul's prayer about bringing their faith to perfection, wholeness, maturity, wasn't about wanting them to just have a harder and uh, higher, greater and deeper trust. Paul wanted to perfect their faith. And as faith is trusting in truth, Paul is saying he wanted to expand their understanding of truth. And specifically, this is in regards to the body of truth Christ committed to Paul ...for this present dispensation of grace. As our knowledge of the truth is enlarged and perfected, our faith is enlarged and perfected. Because then you have, uh, for your life, a larger foundation of truth in which to trust. So when Paul says, I want to come back and perfect your faith, he's saying, I want to come back... And teach you and give you more truth so your faith can grow and be perfected and you can grow to be more and more mature. And so in Paul's prayer request here, we see instruction and a directive for the church to teach the word and that the church needs this to perfect that which is lacking in all of our faith. We are to live by faith, as Paul says, that's how we live under this dispensation, And faith is about believing God and His Word. And the more we know about God and the more we know about His Word, the more we can trust Him. The less of the opposite is true too. The less we know, the less we have to live by, and the less we have to grow in our faith. And this, of course, is a glaring weakness in the church as a whole today because many, many churches are not teaching and preaching the Word of God. But people's faith can't be perfected or enlarged because faith is tied to your knowledge and understanding of God and His Word. A small factory had to be shut down in the middle of a workday because their most important piece of machinery had stopped working. The company mechanic couldn't get it running, so they called in an expert. The man looked over the machine for a few minutes, he then picked up his hammer and gently tapped it. Amazingly, it started running again. He submitted a bill for $1,500, and the owner hit the roof. He yelled at the mechanic over the noise of the machine, That took you less than five minutes. I demand an itemized bill. The expert sat down, scribbled out the following charges. For tapping the machine, $10. For knowing where to tap the machine, $1,490. The Bible gives true knowledge and wisdom for our lives. Its knowledge is priceless. But we need to know it to be able to know where to tap, as it were, or how to answer questions and help and counsel others. And also, so we know how to grow, how we can help our own christian lives knowing it rightly divided according to what god is doing today now under grace increases and perfects our faith because we understand through paul's letters how god is working today we know through this what god's will is for our lives and how we are to lure, live and serve him in this present dispensation of grace as we grow in the word and we rightly divide it We gain a larger and larger base of truth, and God begins to show that truth at work in our lives by His grace. As chapter 2, verse 13 of this book says, The Word of God effectually worketh in you that believe. And as it effectually works in us, as we mature in our faith and grow, our faith grows and is perfected. Paul's prayer was that their faith be perfected and grow by the teaching of God's Word. And so you may wonder, did God grant that prayer? Later, Paul wrote them another letter. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceeding.
0: We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to bereanbiblesociety.org. Now That I Believe is a 40-page booklet written by Pastor Ricky Kurth. In this booklet... Pastor Kurth guides the newcomer to the faith through the various obstacles that man and Satan put in the way of believers to cause them to stumble. Many wonderful things have happened to you in the spiritual realm now that you have believed. It is our prayer that this booklet will help you make spiritual realities actual in your life. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, Back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: The word direct means to correct, make right, make straight. He has the idea of laying out a path that's straight with all obstacles removed. All the stones and rocks and whatever else that you might trip on has been taken away so that the path is smooth and easy. Again, in chapter 2, verse 18, Paul said, We would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan was putting obstacles in the way of Paul. And he was having difficulty getting back to Thessalonica. And he attributes it to Satan and circumstances that Satan was in charge of that was keeping him from returning. So the apostle here is saying that he was praying that God would overthrow Satan. He knows here though, that the only power that can overpower Satan is the power of the Lord. We have zero strength. In ourselves to deal with the devil our words mean nothing to him notice how Paul goes to God to deal with Satan and never addresses Satan directly it is not right to talk to Satan we have nothing to say to him all we need to say we say that the Lord and the Lord deals with him we just hide ourselves in the Lord we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Lord is our overwhelming strength in the spiritual battle. Paul here prays to the Lord to smooth and clear the path so He can get to Thessalonica for Him to overthrow the plans and hindrances of Satan, knowing that He is more than able if it was His will. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. Just as the love between a man and a woman in marriage is to increase more and more over time, from courtship to engagement to marriage to the many years and experiences of life shared together, Paul prayed that the Thessalonians would continue to grow and increase and abound and overflow in love for each other and for all people. The word love here is agape, the strongest, highest, purest love, the giving love that sacrifices to meet the needs of others. Again, back in chapter 1 verse 3, Paul spoke of their work of faith and their labor of love. Love was already among the Thessalonians and faith was already there. But what Paul wanted to see is the increase of that faith and the increase... In the abounding of their love. He prays for a deeper measure of both their faith and their love. And the principle that you see here is that no matter where you are in your spiritual life, there is always room to grow and to increase. And spiritual growth was a burden and passion of Paul, and he prayed fervently about it night and day. Paul didn't want spiritual complacency or contentment to set in among believers. This increasing and abounding love flows out of a growing faith. Where, When you have an increased foundation of truth through the Word, as a result, you have a basis for an increased and enlarged faith when you grow in your understanding of God and His Word. The more we know about God's Word, the more we know about God, the more we know about Christ, and the more we trust and our faith increases. And in all of this... We draw closer to God through Christ, and then we discover God's love. Christ is the object of our knowledge and the object of our faith. And the closer you are to Christ by faith, the more like Him you become. And knowing Christ, you learn about love, and you find what real love is and what real love means and does. As you grow in Christ, and you grow in your understanding of Christ and His cross... You grow in love. And as you live by faith in your personal relationship with Christ, you see His daily love and care. So to grow in our faith, you grow in your knowledge of the Word and of Christ, and as a result, you abound in love. Our growing faith results in growing love. The natural fruit of an increased understanding and faith in Christ is an increased and abounding love. And when you love with Christ's love, that love is an abounding, overflowing love. As Ephesians 3.17 teaches, When Christ dwells, or is at home in your hearts by faith, we will be rooted and grounded in love. By the word we learn and experience the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And as a result, our heart changes, our lives are transformed by grace, And God overflows in my life to those around me in life. And we live out the life of Christ and the love of Christ within us. And as we know God and become more Christ-like by faith, we abound in love one toward another. That's what Paul talks about in verse 12. Or we love the church. We love fellow believers in Christ. We love the church because Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for it. And we know that every blood-bought believer is precious and cherished in the sight of our Savior. Paul adds that we also abound in love toward all men, or all the world, all the unbelieving. We love the lost because Christ loves the lost, and He gave Himself a ransom for all, and He died for all. Paul adds that they had even given them this example of this kind of love. He says, even as we do toward you. He says, you should know from experience. Paul, Silas, and Timothy loved them when they were in the all men category of this verse, when they were lost and unbelieving. But these three men came, put their lives on the line sacrificially under persecution to get them the gospel. And this was because of Paul, Silas, and Timothy's faith Because they knew and fully believed that Christ loves all people and all need Christ. And that's the reason why they came there to begin with. Because Christ loves the lost. They love the lost. And the abounding love of Paul, Silas, and Timothy and their conviction of that truth drove them to bring them the saving gospel out of love. And after they got saved, Paul's love continued and abounded toward them, the church, wanting only what was best for their Christian lives, just like Christ with the church. Paul's prayer was that their love increase and abound. And so you may wonder, did God grant this prayer and work in their lives to this end? And again, Paul wrote them a second letter. In 2 Thessalonians 1-3, it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13 says, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Paul also here, he's praying for a purifying hope in the Thessalonians' lives. They had faith and love and now hope. Paul says to the end, or that these other things all lead to this end. These other factors of perfecting faith and abounding love build up toward a purifying hope that the Lord may establish your heart's unblameable In holiness. A life lived by maturing faith in the Word of God and with the abounding love of God will be holy. The word holy just means set apart, so it means it'll be set apart, separate from the world. That life will be established and as set apart and different from the world and set apart to God. Notice what the that the Lord, though, he establishes the heart. And that's what God always looks at. That's where God works. God wants to change the heart and to establish it in His Word according to His ways, His will for our lives, which is what is always best for us. He wants our hearts unblameable in holiness. We are holy and blameless before God in Christ. Ephesians 1, 4 says, According as He hath chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. What Paul's talking about here is the practical terms of our everyday life. God wants our practice to match our position in Christ. And we can't do that. But the goal is not lowered because of our inability. It's to make us realize that I need the Lord. And I need His help by trusting Him more. We are called to be unblameable in holiness before God our Father, not before the eyes of mankind. Man's idea of holiness is a whole lot different than God's. The world continually chips away at God's standards. But when Christ comes again, we won't be standing before a human judge. We'll be standing before God and we will be judged by God's standards, not the world's. Thus Paul prayed that the Thessalonians' feet be firmly established on the foundation of God's standards and to live by it according to the word. The coming that he talks about at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is the rapture of the church, the body of Christ. The saints with all his saints refers to the members of the body of Christ who've gone on before us. They will come back with Christ at the rapture. Chapter 4, verse 14, Paul explains this when he says, Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The return of Christ is to motivate the believer to live a holy, set-apart life. When we appear before an imper- important person on earth, we prepare for it and we make the necessary arrangements to look our best, to speak our best, and to act our best. But how much more of this is true when we know that we will one day appear before Christ and that we will appear before Him at His coming and that every single day of our lives, is a possibility that Christ might come and we'll stand before Him. The daily possibility of the coming of Christ and appearing before the true and the living God and the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ should have a purifying effect on our lives and drive us to live a set-apart life for Him and for His glory. Since He can come at any moment, we want to be ready. And we want to be found living for Him to please the One who died for us so we might live forever with Him. Under grace, we should pray like this, using faith, hope, and love. Praying for people's faith to grow by the Word. Praying for people's love and for love to increase in the church. And praying for the church's hope and that our hope of the Lord's coming would lead to greater holiness and living a set apart lives to the glory of God being a bright testimony to God's grace thank you for watching this episode of
0: transformed by grace thank you again for tuning in to transformed by grace we appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.